millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Secret Library Podcast. Welcome to Season 6. As we celebrate six years of the show, we are exploring a very important theme, publication. What does publication mean for you as a writer? What are the choices available? And how does that impact both you and your book? We'll be talking with multiple writers on their publication experience this season, helping you get closer to publication as well. My guest today is Danielle Lazarin, who has been on the show previously for her first book, Backtalk Stories. And her fiction has been in the Southern Review, BuzzFeed, Colorado Review, Indiana Review, Glimmer Train, Five Chapters, Boston Review, and elsewhere. Her nonfiction has been published by the New York Times, The Cut, and Lenny Letter. And in September 2021, Danielle wrote an essay for LitHub, which was called The Ambiguous Loss of Probably Not Selling My Novel. And this article went so deeply and so honestly into this limbo that we can get into with traditional publication, which is, is this going to happen? What does this mean? Just navigating the, as she put it, the murky and often silent middle And one of the things that seems to happen with all stages of writing is that we have experiences that differ or diverge from the public narrative about what the writing process looks like. Not really thinking about the fact that after a book is published, then all of the things that happen to get it there sort of disappear. The challenges and the difficulties and the uncertainty, it suddenly becomes retroactively certain because the thing happened. But all of us struggle with uncertainty through the whole process. And I felt it would be incredibly remiss and neglectful to not include this very real part of the process. And in talking with Danielle, we explored how prevalent this is. And if this sounds like an experience you've had, I wanted you to listen to this show and know that you're not alone and that struggling to publish if you choose to publish traditionally does not mean you're not a good writer or that your writing is not good. So I am delighted to bring Danielle Lazarin back and share this incredibly moving and vulnerable conversation. Hey, Danielle, it is so exciting to have you back on. I'm so excited to be back here. I have been really looking forward to this conversation because this is a topic, this topic of 
the fact that publication isn't inevitable that you explored so bravely in that article. I read that article and I was like, oh girl, you're coming back on. <laughs> because I, I don't think we can ignore the, as you put it, the sort of ambiguous loss that can come with the long periods of not knowing what will come next. So I'm wondering if you can give us just like a rundown of this sort of overview of this experience, just basic landmarks on the timeline, and then we can kind of dive in deeper. Yeah. I mean, always interesting to do this now because it's like, what what is time? But <laughs> I think I do. Oh, yeah. It. I mean, I can I can go like, okay, we're going to start in the Wayback Machine. I am. Um, so I've been working on this novel the way I tend to work is kind of what I've like, I used to resist it, but now I'm like really into it where it's like, I always have one project and then I have another project, like kind of like tapping me on the shoulder and like pushing at me. Um, so technically I was working on this novel for 10 years, but it came to me when I was working on stories. And so it was kind of like kind of sitting there. And then I, I worked on it pretty devotedly. Um, you know, I would say for like three or four years. And then in January of 2020, God, this sounds hysterical. In January of 2020, um, my agent and I decided uh, that the draft was done um, and we moved forward to try and get it uh, published. Um, we sent it out on submission uh, early March. So oh, it was boy. early. Yeah, it was kind of one of those like, well, this might all be nothing sort of thing. And also because um, I don't I'm sure you're familiar, but I don't know if your listeners are familiar with, you know, if you've already had a book, like I had my first collection of short stories came out in 2018. Um, and so what happens is the publisher that um, has had that book gets what's called first writer refusal. So they get to read it first. So it was sent there. My editor, my former editor had actually moved publishing houses. So it wasn't going to her. It went to somebody else. Um, and the way that that often works um, from my experience and from what I've heard from other people do is that can often take, like they get more time than many people do because they, they're the only ones that have it. So there's like not, not that pressure to really like get on it super fast. So that took some time. And then, um, and they passed on it. And then um, and then we did decide to go out wider. Um, and in part, that was because the book itself is a pretty um, like heavy topic. It was never the kind of book that was going to be like light or fun or like, um, you know, there was no there was no moment in time where it would seem like this would be something that people are like mood wise, desperate to read because it is, um, you know, in short, I always say it's about an underground women's healthcare network. Um, so it deals with some pretty heavy stuff. And so, um, I also didn't, you know, one of our possibilities was to wait until the fall. And I was like, I don't want to get tangled in, you know, there's also a very big election year here in the States. I didn't really want to be tangled in either. And I was like, let's just go for it. So we went for it. Um, and we went for it and we waited. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think it was a time when a lot of people were juggling a lot because of the pandemic and work and just, it, so I think on top of that, things were moving slower even so. Um, and then, you know, we just kind of kept 
submitting and we kept getting passes. Um, I think one of the things that was really interesting to me is the passes weren't um, to my, and uh, to my mind, particularly consistent. I mean, I literally would get a pass that was like, I loved this part, you know, like element A, but I like just couldn't get with B. And then I literally would get a rejection that like the next week would be like, I loved B, but I just couldn't get with A, you know, it's like this thing. So that went on. I mean, it still is going on. So um, we are now, um, we are recording this in, in March of 2022. So now it's been, actually, it probably went out. This might be my uh, submission anniversary. I, I don't know. Um, <gasps> wow. <laughs> what, a, what a way to, to market, right? Um, yeah, so it's been, it's been two years and then, uh, yeah, long, long time. <laughs> a long time. Yeah. And then as you got through this process, so at what point did you decide that you wanted to write an article about this experience? Because I think, I mean, as somebody who's been kind of submitting to agents over the last period mm -hmm. for my book, there is this shame that comes up mm -hmm. and is like, oh, I have this podcast. I talk about books all the time. Mm -hmm. You would think it would happen real fast, but no. And so, and I don't think that reflects on the quality of the book. It's, it's just a crapshoot. And so yeah. how, how did you get to the point where you felt like I want to share what this is like with other people? Um, I think it was because, and you know, that, that word shame was something that, um, I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. It took me a very long time to land on that word, but I was like, oh, that's what it is. Um, <laughs> uh, I think in the essay I described, it, it's like the shame of having hope. Um, right. You have to be incredibly optimistic, which like personally is really not in my nature, but you, you have to like, um, you have to believe you're the exception to the rule, I think, to be a writer, um, because there are so many things like there is, of course, hard work. And there is, I think, some modicum of talent. I think the hard work can go actually a lot farther than the talent alone will take you. Um, but you have to be willing to like, you know, give yourselves over to the, to the fates a little bit. Um, it's not as logical or as linear as we like to think it is. Um, and I was just having, you know, especially during the pandemic where there was a lot of like waiting and an inability to like move forward. Um, the, the earlier drafts of the essay were much more, those things were much more in parallel. Um, it was like a kind of scaffolding. And then I realized that it's like, it's just implied because we've all lived through these times, right? But um, these times of intense waiting were also, you can't, you're like frozen. You like can't make a move. Um, I was having so many conversations with people, but very carefully. Like, um, you know, I have friends who were on the inside of publishing, who are editors, who are agents. And I have friends who are writers. And it was always like different versions of the conversation. And I could never acknowledge it publicly, which I think is a very strange, but like pretty static thing in, in this industry, unfortunately. And I have to say that like, sometimes when people will note that they're on sub on like social media, I get, I, it feels like a jinx. Like it's, I get very superstitious for them, which is like, why, you know, like there's no, I don't really understand why I feel that way, but it's ingrained. Um, and I think I just got to the point where 
I mean, part of it was that I knew that at a certain point, people would be like, so what happened to your book? And in some ways, in a weird way, I was like, I'll just write an essay and then I won't have to like retell it over and over again. But maybe it was also <laughs> some of that, right? Of it's like, like an FAQ page. Right, right. And I have actually literally sent that essay to people who are like, what happened? And I'm like, well, you should read this. Um, I think also because there's a very straightforward answer to it. It's like, oh, my book hasn't sold yet. And then there's like, um, and then there's the reply to that, which is like, oh, it'll sell, right? Which is it's another thing that I'm sure we'll get into. But, um, you know, there's there's the factual answer. And then there's like the whole emotional experience of it. Um, that is just really, it's complex and quite frankly, like quite painful. Um, and I know that I've always greatly benefited from other writers being transparent about process. And that's something that's really important for me as a writer. And, um, you know, uh, when I teach is not like, just not bullshitting what it's actually like. Um, I think especially now in this age of social media, um, we're so encouraged to like, to basically be a brand and like self and self promote. And the, uh, there's other parts of it too. Those things are completely worth celebrating and marking and should be done. But this impression that a writer's life is just like a series of victories <laughs> is not realistic. And I feel like it's like kind of cruel to not let people know that like there's other parts of it. Um, you know, when I teach and coach, I always say like there there's highs and lows. And like the best thing you can do as a writer is like learn how to ride the roller coaster. Like you can be in a really like low place, but you're like, oh, like I should be here. <laughs> or like I have been here before and I will like come out to some other place. Um, so yeah, a lot of it was really just wanting to get that experience down so that the whole process was more transparent it's like we all we all talk about it I mean I also like I'm trying to think of like when it was happening but like I would get into like um you know like Instagram conversations with people or email where I would say oh like actually I would kind of cop to it right and be like actually my book has been on sub and I don't know if it's going to happen in this and then they would come back with like the same story and I was like, oh, I, I didn't know that was happening. Or like this book that did come out, you know, had been on sub for a year and a half and it went through rewrites and it did all this other stuff and it was really hard. Like all these other people were saying to me like, oh, I totally know what you're going through. And I like, and no one talks about it. Um, it's so interesting and, that no one talks about it. I mean, it feels yeah. like, it feels like the perimenopause of publishing or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, totally. do you also have brain fog? This, this, yeah. this, this. Oh yeah. I've had that for years. Why are we not talking about this? Yeah. It's like the same vibe. It, to it totally is. Or even like, yeah, I'm 43. So I'm like, oh yeah. Like that whole <laughs> thing where it's just like all these quiet things are, you know, I've had two kids and um, there are just so many, and I will spare everybody like the actual details of it, but there's so much emphasis on like, you know, like the labor, there's even things about labor that people don't talk about that are yeah. just like super common, but like the stuff that happens after like, okay, I'll tell you like, you know, like having like your nipples bleed for weeks and weeks is like totally normal. And it's like, 
wish somebody would have said that or even like so I didn't feel like I was dying yeah (laughs) yeah yeah babies come out with these like really long pointy kind of purplish fingernails that like they look like vampire babies no one talks about that (laughs) no yeah pretty survivable those vampire nails but like you know I think also (laughs) for me like as a writer too I'm very interested in complex stories and I'm interested um and writing this essay helped me realize that too like one of my major topics is grief and it is loss and it is like going into those spaces where people are are squirmy because it doesn't necessarily feel good and so for me it's also important to inhabit that space and to acknowledge it because I don't think it does us any good to like pretend that it's not part of our lives is to be in like deeply uncomfortable and sad spaces. It's a part of like what we go through is losing things or maybe losing them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the other thing about it is that there is this whole, and I will try not to get fully on the soapbox here, but I will a little bit that there's this whole microphone. So I know, I know it's a big (laughs) microphone. You guys can't see it, but it is big. Um, Is the, the whole modernist narrative of like, there is one, there is one direction that art and creativity goes and it is proceeding towards increasing goodness and development. And you have to prove that you are part of this canon, blah, blah, nonsense. And so I think that that has bled out into it. And so when everyone is writing, A, we don't know even the parts of the process when we're writing, but then when you get into publication, that's where this gets really charged and loaded because now it's like, if you've managed to keep yourself in the game that long, then you're like, okay, now I get to find out if I am quote good or not. And the the sort of authority of that with traditional publishing in particular, it goes completely to other people and then deal with that when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. I mean, you like, you can only control your work, right. But you're told that if you work hard and you make a, you know, a quote unquote good book, then you'll be fine. I mean, I was told by so many people, you know, years before this book was done, like, oh, you're in the phrase I heard repeatedly was you're in a good position. I had a story collection that like, you know, did you know, quote unquote, well, like it was well received critically. I mean, I certainly did not earn a very large advance and I certainly did not earn out that advance. And I certainly did not, you know, um, end up like making a lot of money off of the book itself. Um, But, you know, it's like, oh, I should, even I had this, you know, assumption that like, I would be fine. I might not be like rolling in money or, but like that I would have like at least an offer from somebody. Um, I definitely thought it would be faster. I definitely thought um, I could have multiple offers <laughs> and like none of that happened, you know, and there's, there's a very, um, yeah, there's a sense of everything being linear, which like the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, that's hysterical. Like, that's just not how <laughs> things work, um, which is also incredibly American, right? Like, you mm. know, you do this work and then you like climb up this ladder. It's it's ridiculous. Um it's just not, there are things you have to like let go and like give to other people. But in this case in publishing, um, you know, those people also are in a capitalist framework. Like their job is to make money. And I don't say that as something I begrudge of them. Um, but it's like, it's a, it's art and commerce are, are difficult. And those decisions are often made by 
people who are in a business head space than rather than in a like artistic space. So yeah, it's hard. And I think we, we have to acknowledge that there is that leap and you can make, you know, the best art there is according to your own standards. And it might not get you to this thing that is supposed to be the next step. Um, yeah. 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 I think there's no easy way to put that. And then there's the other thing that's like the time, you know, you look at, we have all of these stories of artists who were completely understood and celebrated later. Yeah. And there, so you can have a mismatch of the time and it has nothing to do with the value of that work. It's just the mismatch. And right now we have such a weird headspace that we're all in. And it's important to remember, I think that publication is made up of humans also who have been through the last two years. And I have noticed what I'm reading has shifted in this Mm -hmm. time period. And I have to accept that like what I wanted to write before this started and what I'm reading now are not as closely aligned as, you know, and that may be true for the people who will be looking at my book as well. I don't know. And also you can't like, those things are so out of our control, right? Like, you know, there's always in people outside of publishing are always like, oh, you should just, and it, it's funny, this, uh, I now have this propped up on a bunch of, um, I'm in my kids' room on a bunch of um, her like YA novels, some very excellent ones. And like, you're like, oh, you should just like bang out a YA novel. It's like, first of all, those people are all like brilliant. <laughs> they work really hard. Like they do what they do. Um, there's, I don't know. I don't, this myth seems to persist that there's like a lot of money in YA and I'm sure a lot of YA authors would be like, nope. Um, it's just (laughs) like, you know, it's like, oh, the market's really hot for that or this or that. And it's like, you just, you work on what you work on. And I think you're right. It might not align with like, you know, not only the times, but also like where the editor is when they're reading it, you know, like what kind of headspace they're in, what, like, what they've just, I mean, I, you know, there were definitely people that are, it's like, oh, this is similar to this thing. So we can't do another thing like that, you know, which I've heard also from other people that have had their books out on. So, um, yeah, like, it's just one of those, like, there's so many factors. And as you pointed out, like human factors, but you can't, you can't take that into account when you're in the creative process of it. Um, you just have to be like, where you are and doing the work that you want to do, um, trying to catch that market, which changes frequently is impossible. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Cause if you quote, start to bang out a, whatever yeah. it is, I'd love the, to the, see how that works. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I feel like nobody who is a writer could say, I'm just going to bang out a blank, blank, blank. Like, I don't know who those people are. And I've been revising a 3000 word chapter for uh, five weeks. So yeah, <laughs> it is not You're me, like, but I'm just banging it out over here. It's banging no problem. It just, yeah. you know, like one of those gifts where they're all boo, 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 and it's yeah, just yeah, coming yeah, right out. Yeah, yeah. No stopping, but it's, yeah. I think anytime you try to start now with what the thinking about what the market is in order to, there's no way you can step into that river now as to where people, what people are interested in now, because by the time you finish it and submit it, it's going to be something else. And you, unless you have 
a reliable time travel device or like back yeah. to the future <laughs> two or something with like the bestseller list, maybe, yeah. but there's just no way to make that happen no, consciously. No, it's, and it's also no fun. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it produces good work. And I, I, yeah, the whole, I mean, it's interesting too. Cause you know, I got, um, when the essay came out, I got a lot of, a lot of, um, messages and emails and it was lovely, but I, and I got them from a big range of people and some people, you know, who'd had tremendous success in writing. And I quite frankly, was like kind of surprised to see some of these people coming through. Um, but like also that acknowledging that that is also luck in certain ways. Like those writers were just like, you know, just like me, somebody who wrote a book that hasn't been published or many other people are writing books that like have not yet been published and may not yet be. That writer was just writing their work. <laughs> they were not trying to, you know, get a certain size book deal or have a certain amount of publicity around it. Like, I don't think that those people... I'm sure they do exist, but they're pretty, it's a pretty small group amongst, you know, like a legion of the rest of us that are just, you know, hanging out with our imaginary friends all the time. Um. Yep. <laughs> and also the sense of inevitability is, is, as you say earlier, it's just bullshit. Cause even reading, I had a student recently share in a forum and I was so grateful that she did. It was a, an excerpt of Tolkien's diary talking about writing Lord of the Rings and certain moments in the book where he's like, I had no idea that was going to happen before I got there. And like, we, we look at books like Tolkien as if they were sort of divinely inspired and that mm -hmm. he had this all in his head and he created languages and all of this. And he's like, I was just going along and this thing appeared. And I was like, Whoa, what's going to happen in there? He probably said it more articulately than that, but um, <laughs> knowing him, but maybe but, not, <laughs> maybe not is true. And one of the things I think that tortures writers the most in terms of the conversations I've had with people at varying stages is this sense that they are doing it wrong or if they're having mm -hmm. this experience that they've gone horribly awry or that they're not supposed to be writing in the first place. And when we hide these stories, then it it makes us all feel like, oh God, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this rather than, wow, this is part of what this looks like. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot, cause again, I think this is something that thematically is in my work about what is unseen um, and making that visible. And I think for the most part, I mean, I obviously can't share all the messages I got, but I like wish I could right? Um, just, messages of people who are like, this resonates with me. This happened to me. I'm worried about it happening to me. Um, and I think that's maybe, and I know, um, half the things I say when I'm talking about writing are like messages to myself. Right. So I need to remember this at a certain point, but it's like, it's really hard when you're in that place where rejection feels like a referendum on everything you've ever done. Um, to recognize that it's like just, your work in contact with like probably one or two people <laughs> and not the entirety of it. Um, and that even, you know, a series of rejections can on the same work is not, I don't want to say they're meaningless because I don't think that that's fair, but it's there. Um, Cause I think they mean a lot to the person who receives them. Um, but I don't think they are 
a note on on the work itself. Um, and I think, quite frankly, like the more specific your work is and the more um, complex it is, the harder it can be to find the right person at the right time. Um, it's really, you just don't know who's on the other end. And even if you know, I mean, we've all even had like readers in our own lives that like, you're like, oh, this person will like love it or whatever, or just like you and friends that read other books, you know, read books that you're reading together and they hate it or they love it. Um, and it's such a surprise. Like we can't, you just don't know. And I think like our own, like my personal reading experience has so much to do with the headspace that I'm in at that moment and what I can handle and what I can't handle and my mood. And it's like, it's the same for people who are reading for um, submissions. Of course, it's like their job and <laughs> they do it, you know, I'm sure like a much broader sense than those of us who are just like, you know, picking up a book here and there, but um, they are still human and we are subject to their taste and their um, moment in time. Yep. It's, yeah, I think it's just, there's no way to know. I mean, I always think it goes back to like dating, you know, that, you know, we like to believe that if we're in a relationship with someone long-term, that that was somehow inspired and supposed to happen. When in reality, it was just blind luck and two people who happened to want the same thing at the same time, which is pretty astonishing that that ever happens. And I think of- It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. And so- and there were all these times where maybe it should have on paper worked, but it didn't. And I think it's the same with finding an agent or a publisher or an editor. It's just like, what mood? Yeah. Did they have a bad sandwich that day? And normally yeah. they'd be super into it, but not today. Yeah. Or even, you know, um, like if you're submitting to lit mags and stuff, they might like, you know, a, a lot of rejections you'll get, or you, what you'll hear from editors is like, we just didn't have space for it. Meaning like, there were certain things about the whole of it where it didn't slot in, right? It's not the right piece for the jigsaw puzzle, but it's not like that. I mean, I had a rejection on a story of mine where the editor said, and I thought this was like the kindest thing. The editor was like, this is not, um, this is like not for me, but I, but somebody else will like find it absolutely perfect. It was really like one of the nicest things because it was just that editor was acknowledging that it wasn't their taste. like right then and there but that there was nothing actually like wrong with it it wasn't that it needed to be revised so I've of course since taken it apart and revised it (laughs) but of my own like it's um that was my own nagging sense of it it wasn't because of that um rejection or other rejections it was one of those like I don't I don't feel quite right in this but um yeah it's it's so hard to know what the other end is and yet you know yet we also I'll carry this whole, but it should, and I want it to. And I think that's kind of how we get into like the shame thing too, right? Where it's like, do I, did it not happen? And I wanted it to happen. And was I stupid to like have that kind of hope? And am I just like being a fool? And am I not seeing something? Cause it feels like in a lot of these situations, like other people hold the power and they like literally do. But I think, um, you know, they hold the power in terms of like being able to publish or not publish, but I don't think they like hold the power over the art itself. Um, I think a lot about the submitting process as like separating myself 
from the art making process. And it's something I'm still working on, but I feel at least in the past few years, like that's the important thing for me. It's like, I have to know that I have done absolutely everything I can do on a piece of work before I send it out so that I can like engage with it the way that other people are engaging with it. Like probably like as a insurance against a rejection, right? If they're like, I love your art. It's beautiful. I'm like, yeah, great. I can be an artist again, but there, there is a, you know, you need to have a sort of shield and like a not taking it personally or not taking it again as like a referendum on the art. Um, and that requires like some kind of like separation between the part of me that like needs to be incredibly vulnerable and open um, and risk-taking to make the art itself. Um, and that you can't show up as that person when you're submitting. Yeah, they are so different. And it's like these two modes that we have to be in. And this was something you talked about in the article that I wanted to get into a bit is that at first it was really hard to go into this other, this new idea that was tapping on your shoulder, as you said, and that ultimately the places where you felt better about this, this space were the woods and working on something else. So I'm wondering if you can say a bit about how you opened up to working on something else as a way to deal with this unknown that you're hanging out in. Yeah. I mean, I will say it was interesting because that, um, I'm trying to remember when I, I think I finished the essay and actually was taken pretty quickly, which was you see, like the You're irony like, is like oh, the only, it's like, yeah, the, lemon was, juice in the paper. Cut. Well, I was like, you know, the one thing I was like, am I going to have to write an essay about my essay about rejection, not getting accepted? Like that, <laughs> that would be a step too far. I just was like, I can't, I don't know what I'll do at that point. So it was like, it was a relief, but also like a certain, you know, like, I don't know, is it really ironic? It's just maybe sad that like the only thing that I've, I've had published in the past couple of years has been this essay on rejection. But, um, but when it, you know, I finished the essay at some point in the the summer and then it came out early September. Um, and one of the things that was really interesting for me and one of the reasons I, like, I did want to talk about this this moment where it's like that stuff really gets in your head, especially as somebody like, I wouldn't say I've always been super self-disciplined, but I've always, I think to a fault, just like believed in myself as a writer and thought like, I can't do anything else. Like this is what I'm going to do. And I've never, even at the worst of it, really thought about doing anything else seriously. And I've had like, you know, jobs, jobs, um, or I should say <laughs> steadily paying jobs. Um, but when it came out, I was like, oh, great. Yay. Positive feedback. And like, people are like moved by it. And it was really like a wonderful experience to just make people feel seen. But then I realized like, oh, like this whole thing that I was talking about, about not having faith in my work and not being able to work was still very much with me. So, um, which is also funny that I said like, oh, I'll publish it and it'll go away. Um, it really didn't. It, it's it like really, publishing exorcism or something. Yeah. It's really just not like how that works. Um, T. Kira Madden has an amazing essay on, um, I think it's called like Against Catharsis. It's also was published on Literary Hub. It's about that idea of like 
writing essays as things that then it's like, oh, and then I'm done with it. It's neat. It's over. You know, um, it's also just an amazing essay about constructing a, a story. And, you know, everything that we write is a is a construction and it is meant to like hone in on something um, hone home. One of those. Um, <laughs> I never uh, know. I never know. I think it's home. I, I see it like both ways. I can see both of them. Um, yeah. and your listeners can't see that I'm like such a hand talker and I'm making this kind of like forming a little ball kind of thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's to form. We'll just go with form. A specific, yeah. yeah. Narrative and a presentation. Um, and there are of course many things that I left out of that essay. Um, and I wasn't going to be like postscript. I'm still having trouble working. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of stopping and, and starting. I mean, I think also, you know, I'm getting novel rejections um, and awful, often like these rejections come like months and months after. And there were so many of them I had forgotten who the subs were with. So it's just like one random day you got to like, you know, an email by the way, like, yeah. by the way, didn't want the novel and I'm submitting stories. Those are getting rejected. Um, I'm applying for residencies, grants, you know, it's like it's happening on a lot of fronts. Um, yeah. And so I tried, so like that's happened and then that's kind of constant, right? Like that's the state of it. You have to throw yourself and your work out there and, and try and see if something will stick and then keep creating, you know, like not let that get in the way, but it was just really hard for me to like get those muscles, uh, back up. I mean, I did do a residency, um, last spring at Mass Mocha, that was like amazing for that because it was like just me and the work. And I didn't have to deal with anything out though. I did, <laughs> did get a big rejection when I was there too. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And actually I wrote like about that. Sneaks time, like, through. Yeah. It was a crazy, I, I got a rejection and then like uh, a old filling fell out. It was like one of those days oh, where it was just man. like, this, yeah, it was, it was comedy by the end of the day. And then I saw my friend, Rachel, who's mentioned in the essay the next day, she was like, I, you know, she actually, she had moved um, up to where the residency was and I didn't know, and I hadn't seen her. So that was actually like very healing. And part of it was having like a conversation with Rachel or having a conversation with my other writer friends that were just like, I understand this feeling. I feel this feeling too. Um, And realizing that like this process can feel very lonely and can feel very targeted towards (laughs) you in particular and it's like many people experience this and people who like you know we consider successful and whose work we admire and who are managing to still do it in a more practical sense you know I had that concentrated time in the novel and then I kind of fell out of it and I was trying to work on stories because I felt like stories were things that I could get through a little quicker. I mean, the other thing about a novel is like, it's so overwhelming. It's such a large project. And I think specifically, I just had a lot of like this burned feeling of I'm going to, am I going to take another 10 years? (laughs) Which I don't want to (laughs) do. Talking at the pace at which I was like revising that chapter might take me that long. Um, I hope not, but it could, it might. Um, And then also have this be the ending. Like that was really heavy. Um, Yeah. And I don't know that I'm necessarily like over it entirely. Um, It's taken me 
a while now. I feel like just now I'm like starting the past like month or so back in the book. So like it's a, it was a solid year of just trying and having it not exactly work. Um, for me though, if I don't write, I tend to get a little cuckoo. So, um, and not kind to people who I love. So, <laughs> oh, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, no. Like a, yeah, it's like people get hangry. We need an adjective for like writers when they're not working. Yeah, um, what is that? Yeah. And I gave myself also very low. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm remembering now, like over that summer, I gave myself very low stakes assignments. I was like, just do something, you know, once a day. And it doesn't have to be on the novel and it doesn't have to be on, like, just try and make it like, literally, if I could like handwrite four sentences, that would be great. Um, I found myself like oddly, um, I can't believe I'm moving it, but like drawing, which I never do. I just wanted to like do something and feel um, like I was trying. And so it was, it was slow. Um, And I don't know, and I don't know that this is a bad thing, but I'm never going to feel that sense of like, it's a sure thing ever again. That's probably a lesson that I just needed to really internalize, even though you see it happen with other people and people tell you, and it's like many of these life experiences, you know, that you don't really understand till you've experienced it yourself and that you kind of can't properly communicate to other people, like how it feels from the inside. Um, It goes back to what I was saying about like, to be a writer, you need to feel like you're the exception to the rule, right? Like, oh, well, my second book will like sell no problem (laughs) or my third book will sell, you know, like it'll be easy or like, it won't be a struggle and it won't be hard to sell something that has a heavier subject matter, whatever it is that you want to believe. Um, I, I think I'll just never have that faith in like the linear process of my career. Um, and in some ways that's, I'm clearly in an optimistic mood today. Um, <laughs> in some ways that's like very freeing too, right? Like um, to be like, Oh, well, <laughs> not like you know the teenager well nobody wants it anyway so fuck them and I'm just gonna do what I want right yep. um but it is a, like there are definitely things that I've um been cautious to work on or whatever that I'm just like well whatever like what <laughs> nobody's waiting on me and it's like before my before I had um the first book and stuff. And I'll say this to like students, you know, who are really eager to get agents. It's like, there's something actually kind of amazing about what I consider like working in the dark where it's just you and you are the person who is driving the, the work. Um, and there is no, like, there really isn't a perceived audience. It's a completely imaginary. Um, even that after a first book is like very different. Like I already, have my guard up around certain things that I wish I like never had to have my guard up around. And that's like a a hurdle to, to move past. Um, but I know many people will be like, I wish I had that hurdle. Totally. I've also been there too, but it's, it's real, you know, like the farther into it, the more voices you have. Um, and in some ways like rejection can make you be like, well, I guess I'm doing it for myself again. Yeah. Um, And what if, if I don't know who's, hands it's going to be in that I don't have yeah. to unconsciously kind of construct it in such a way that this editor or this person, I I think they would like, you know, you're not trying right. to be a good 
good kid for this, you know, parental figure. You're just like, well, if nobody cares, then what do I actually want to write? Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting because my stories and the novel are, are quite different. And I think that I, you know, I think there's something like a little bit throwing about that, you know? Um, And I'm also like, well, yeah, I don't want to do what I did. You know, I think the novel I'm working on now is like the novel that people expected. But even Uh, as I'm saying that, I'm like, oh, so I can hear myself being like, well, then I just assume that'll be an easier sell. And then the other part of me has to be like, you don't know that. I have no idea. But also like, again, it's just like, this is the book I'm working on. Um, Here it is. And, you know, and when it comes time to, like there's always a time when you need other voices and you need other people and like that um, community of people who come together to make something like a book you can hold in your hands is is pretty amazing. Um, like those are really important, like first readers that really get what you're doing. But you also have to be very sure in what it is you want from it before you can, I think, like really engage with those people and have those conversations with editors, right. That are like, I think it could do this or, you know, like maybe less of this or more of that, or this direction. Um, I think in order to, to have those and have them be beneficial, you need to like really have the work settled in yourself, not like stubbornly. So, but like, um, have that sense of it's like potential and its purpose and then, you know, bring it to, to somebody else. Um, and that, that takes like sitting with it yourself. And I think not actually being in those conversations, which is hard, especially with a large project, it's hard to not want somebody to give you like any kind of feedback. Right. Yeah. We always want the gold stars. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, we only want positive feedback. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want anyone saying like, actually, this is not really, yeah, this isn't working, I mean, this yeah. is why, yeah. This is why it's so hard and we have to be so careful about who's reading at any stage. I mean, I think that's important. And now I would assume that you're even more protective. I'm I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I mean, I, I think I, over the past, um, hmm, over the past, I would say like four or five years, I've become much more locked down with it. Um, because I, I think I, I think because I missed that, like writing in the dark, thing um where I I want to know what it is and I've I've felt myself in certain moments just kind of not even necessarily caving but just like listening to other people with authority that I'm like oh wait in retrospect like bad idea like I've taken notes um from people and been like yeah maybe it's this like they've published books they know whatever and then you know six months later, the book is in completely the wrong direction. And, and I, I think I took those notes because it was just my own self-doubt. Right. But it's like hard to know how to like when to let things in and when not it's, it's complicated. It's hard to develop that sense of knowing, but that's um, I think something we owe ourselves as, as writers. I think what it comes down to, if we're going to sum this all up, is being really clear about who's driving in which moment. Because the the mm. part of us that's focused on submission and is focused on finding people who would be a good fit and thinking about publishers that we would want to work with cannot be the same being 
that's writing the story. And I think yeah. that for me and what I see with others as well is that problems start to happen when one of them tries to take the other's job. And it's usually the publisher who tries to steal the writer's job. Yeah. You don't, the writer can yeah. barely get in the room with the publishing self and doesn't yeah. want to go in there. But man, does that one who wants to publish want to come in and start giving notes like day one with the writer. <laughs> totally. And I think also it's like the, those moments are also often tied up with like validation, right? Like we're seeking that, um, I went back and actually like read my own essay for the first time in a while before we spoke. And like, um, yeah, it was, and, and then made the mistake of reading the comments, which is like always about oh, it. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, why I, did no. it. God, the I mean, comments. it was, yeah. I, I, it, you know, it's one of those like, okay, sure. Um, sometimes I find it like somewhat comical, but like, um, yeah, a bunch of them were like, yeah, like you've, like, you know, this whole kind of like, you should be able to work without validation and like, um, like what, you know, or like you should make art for art's sake. And it's like, okay, buddy. But like, <laughs> I, I'm here to like make books. Right. And so like we, and, and have them read by readers and to have other people engage in conversations either with one another or with me, um, hopefully they can leave me out of it at a certain point, you know, but like my, right. You know, part of like what I want to do is like start conversations the way that I've had conversations about books with other people and how much like pleasure and, you know, um, import that has brought to my own life. And like, so it's like, now I completely lost my own thread, but maybe I'll get back to it. But I was like, I'm now deep in like the, the bad internet comments, but yeah, like that idea that like, we don't, you know, we want to make art just for art's sake. It's like, doesn't really sit with me. Like we want this other thing. And so I think sometimes in the moment of like, somebody is giving us some sense that we might get there and we will like follow that path to it. Like that publisher, right? Like um, that publisher part of it, like job of ours is like, we start following that because it seems to lead us there. Even as like the artist in us is like, yeah, no, I don't know. Um, What's well, the illusion of control? Yeah. It's the, yeah. it's like all of these things are down to the illusion of control. It's like, we make up these narratives, like the one you talked about in the essay too, of the, the sort of toxicity of this, here's all these authors who've been rejected 75 times and it ultimately yeah. worked out. So you just got to keep going and you know, that that's like, you know, this very American dream kind of narrative. And then this as well of just, you should make art for art's sake. You shouldn't care whether you can pay your rent yeah. or not, because that's the, right. that's the path you've chosen. And right, it's like, you don't live in capitalism. Like right. yeah, things are just, no, free. no. <laughs> Cause everybody, all writers just get free apartments and free groceries and it's totally right. fine. But, and it's also yeah, so pleasurable and so like simple. And so like, you have such a good time doing it. That. And you it's don't need a crazy. therapist yeah. ever. You never need a right. therapist during this process at all. <laughs> or it's like that you don't give anything to it. It's like the, you know, a lot of the work of making art is, is deeply personal. And it is like, I mean, I'm, I'm this way. And I know a lot of writers are this way. It's just like, it's emotionally draining to make a lot of work. Like I feel almost like, you know, um, it's like a spiritual medium or something, right? Where it's just you know, like this classic thing where it's like it takes it takes energy and it sucks something out of you to like 
bring something forth. I'm sure a bajillion people think this is like totally grandiose, but I also think like that no, is- No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we're the only ones that matter. Uh, the, yeah, that process, like I, I wanted to make something. And is that absolutely crazy? No, that isn't crazy. Like this is my goal. Like my goal is to- get published and to like get published multiple times. Um, you know, I, I've been writing since I was like a teenager. I have an undergrad degree in creative writing. I have always done it. I'm, I'm 43. I really thought I would have more books by now. And that's also something I've had to reckon with and think about, especially when like, you know, I had these assumptions that were completely wrong, obviously. And like, what does that mean for continuing to work, like continuing to do it and be like, I guess I'm just going to like behave like it's all going to be fine anyway. Like, and it's also a tremendous privilege to be able to do that. Many people don't have that option. Like if they don't sell their book, they don't have money. So they like have to do other things for money and you can't, it's very hard to write and, and maintain, um, a living, even if you get paid for your books, but especially if you're not getting paid for them, right? Like when you're writing in the dark in that way too, you're writing for some imaginary paycheck that by the way, like uh, we have a um, a lovely woman who helps us with our taxes. And she's always like, my husband has a salary job, thank God. And uh, she's always like, yeah, so like, do you have any like predictable income for next year? And I'm always like, well, I don't know. I could like make $2,000 or I can make a million dollars. And I literally, I have no idea. Like I, yeah do not know. Like if I sell a book in a year, um, it really could literally be in that range. Um, and people outside of publishing thinks this, think this is crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm not like making a joke. That is literally what is possible. <laughs> exactly. I think we could probably fill like three more episodes talking about all of this because it's it's one of these Pandora's boxes of just like yeah. when there is a topic that isn't discussed, once you start discussing it, we're like, and there's this and there's this and there's yeah. this. But I kind of want to, to leave it here because of your desire in the essay also of, of embodying the, the murky and often silent middle, as you put it, like we aren't going to have an easy answer for you listening, but this is, this is like a snapshot of what this experience is like. And if you're going through this, you're not doing something wrong. And I yeah. think if you have last thoughts that you want people to know, yeah. but I think, that's, I think that's, that feels like the way to sum it up. Yeah, it really, yeah. It's like, you're not doing anything wrong and also, I know how hard it is to hear, just keep going. Like that also, you know, like the toxic positivity that also comes with this, with the whole like, oh, it should be enough. And um, like, you know, you're lucky to even be working and uh, like, it'll all work out in the end. Like that is also very hard to swallow. And I think it's it's important to make space for both of those feelings like they they really need to coexist and that's I think what's really difficult is like you need to have that hope to go forward um and it and that also it can be very very difficult to find I wish at the end I could be like and here's my solution here's <laughs> my three-step formula yeah. to find hope when you can't 
<laughs> I was going to say in four easy steps. Oh, no, you got four. Okay, cool. I got four. I don't even know what any of them are. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and again, I think I'm just like, you know, talking about it is is very different than than living it. Um, I mean, I always say, like, you know, like, I also say, and a professor once said this to me, and I got so mad at her, um, but I love her and she's brilliant. But she was like, if you can do anything else, like do something else. Um, and I, I was just like, oh, but like, she was right. Like, I, I think that, you know, writing is for people who are um, so entangled in it that they can't function otherwise, because none of these other things are guaranteed. Right. Um, no matter even if you have some of the other stuff that has already happened. But I think, yeah, I don't know. People need to find their like their their work in their woods, right? The places where it's like, it's okay. And like I think finding the the pleasure in the work and remembering, you know, like when I'm in a good place with work, it feels like like I was a, you know, like when I was a kid and I was writing, you know, like I certainly wasn't then being like, I'm gonna you know, sell my novel about horses. I'm writing when I'm nine. <laughs> yeah, publisher. nobody. It's just telling nobody a story. That. That's amazing. It's true. It's yeah. true. Maybe oh. somebody will, but I still have it. Maybe I should put that out on sub next. The horse, I the think. the horse novel. The horse novel. I don't think I got very far. I don't think it had a lot of propulsive plot, but I'll revisit it and see. Oh man, I don't even think I have mine. I've got one from when I was about seven or eight that was clearly a straight rip off of the Babysitters Club. It was, there were some blonde twins in that one. And yeah. I thought it was so original. And I'm like, girl, you were kind of feeding right off what you were reading. But it's so funny to see all those early things. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe there'll be a market for them one day. Maybe. But... I mean, Babysitter's Club is pretty, pretty hot. It's still days. going strong. It's still going yeah, strong. Yeah, my kids, my kids um, both went through ba- major babysitter's club faces which is like very funny but then they like make fun of all the 80s stuff I was like that's my childhood yeah like don't be don't be don't be shitting on that I know yeah and they're like she goes to New York and she's in a limousine and she's so into it they've just totally (laughs) being little shits about it it's pretty funny though that's amazing well thank you so so much for this conversation it's really been a gift and I know so many people are going to feel seen and understood by having heard about your experience. I know I have. Thank you for having me. It's been um, a real pleasure. Yeah, I feel like we could we could go on and on. But, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad to have uh, been able to, to talk about it. Mm-hmm.